0: Have you ever gotten really excited about something that's coming your way or, 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 or something, someone that's coming to you? You know, like uh, excited for your first date or excited for the wedding or for the baby, excited for Christmas and Santa Claus. Anyone ever get really excited about that? Yeah, I think a lot of us do, right? I have a story along those lines. So I was, Colin, I was in first grade, okay, and um, the teacher announces to the whole class that Santa Claus was going to come to class that day. The, cla- the class went berserk, okay, and I just was crazy with joy, and I was jumping up and down, I was like, Santa Claus is coming, Santa Claus is coming, Santa Claus is coming, and I'm running all around, you know. And I'm getting really excited, like my whole body is in it, you know. My whole biology is in it, okay. And then something terrible happened. Can you imagine what happened? I'm a first grader, and I'm really, really excited, and I'm jumping up and down. Yeah. I peed my pants. And with each jump, more came out. Until, you know, one of the kids noticed it, and then all the kids noticed it, and then they begin to laugh at me. And I got the nickname, Whistler. But it's okay. Later in life I got some counseling and I'm much better now. But yeah, I mean, we all, we all get excited about something coming our way, or someone. Coming our way, are you excited about Christmas? I mean, I know our kids are excited, and for all the reasons that we know that they get excited about Christmas. But adults, are you excited about Christmas? And here's the reason why I ask this question. I suspect especially given like all the commercialization of, Christian, of Christmas now, you know, that some of us are not excited about Christmas. For those reasons, but then we allow those reasons to cloud the whole reason why we should be excited about Christmas. And then everything that flows from Christmas, because guess what? Our Christianity flows from Christmas. Our Christian faith as a community and as individuals flows from Christmas. So if we're not excited about Christmas, is it safe to say that there are some of us here that don't live an excited Christian life? Excited about what is coming into our life. So what to do with that? I think what to do with that is to properly understand what really happens at Christmas. And then to be able to allow that to to affect us, to experience that, and learn to live with that, not just on Christmas, but then everything that flows from Christmas into us from day to day. How do we do that? I think we get something of that in today's Gospel reading. So today's Gospel reading from Luke 1, we hear the story of the visitation. We know immediately, just that one word, what that means, because any of us who pray the rosary, right? The visitation is when the pregnant Mary goes to visit her cousin, the pregnant Elizabeth, pregnant with John the Baptist. And there is a context, a Jewish context for this, a background for this, that if we don't know it, if we miss it, then we miss the full import of what this should mean for us and then how it can affect us and how to live with it, how to benefit it, how to be blessed by it, and how to bless others by it. So here's the background. Luke is trying to communicate to us that Mary is the new ark of the new covenant the new ark of the new covenant. Jesus is trying to impress this upon us and aspires the Holy Spirit to have Luke communicate this to us in his gospel. Well, this begs the question, okay, what was the old ark of the old covenant? Because if we don't get that right, we'll never get this right, and we'll never get this right. The old Ark of the Covenant. We know from the Old Testament that the Ark of the Covenant literally was a box made of acacia wood. And it was laden with gold, beautified with jewels, pure inside. And on top of it, there was um, two angels. And on top of that was what was called the mercy seat. And the mercy seat was a symbol of God's authority, of God's judgment, of God's power. And before the temple was built, the Ark of the Covenant went with the people wherever they went. So it was always in transit. And therefore, it was mounted on poles and then placed upon the backs of men. Okay. What was inside of the Ark of the Covenant is so important three things. The first thing that was in it was the blooming rod of Aaron. Aaron was brother Moses, and Aaron was the first priest of a tribe of priests, the official priesthood of Israel, as they are being formed in the desert under Moses. And his rod, his walking stick, bloomed, and it never stopped blooming. It never decayed. And a piece of that rod was inside of the covenant. What did it symbolize? Because remember, the people believed that the presence of the Lord dwelled inside of the ark. Now, imperfectly it dwelled, right? Because not fully, not literally was the presence of the Lord there, but in these symbols of it. So the rod, therefore, symbolized the priesthood for the Israelites. And the priesthood for the Israelites is that God gave a gift to his people. And that he set apart men whose function was to be mediators and intercessors between us and God. For God to have mercy upon us. So that's part of how God dwelled among his people was his priesthood. Here's the second thing. The Ten Commandments, a copy of the Ten Commandments, was inside of the Ark. What did this symbolize? The Word of God among us. The Word of God. And that, if you remember the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments have two parts to them. The first three are all about our relationship with God and how to be in a relationship, how to love him, how to follow him, how to serve him. The second is the other seven, and the seven, the last seven, have to do with how to love one another, how to be in relationship with one another, how to treat one another. And so you can see then how this symbolizes the presence of God among us, how to be with God, and when we are in relationship with God in a right way, how we could be in a a right relationship with one another, and then how that comes, that presence of God in us goes out to other people, because we know how to love them and how to treat them. So that's what's inside the ark. The Ten Commandments encapsulate the entire Word of God, the teachings, the truth of God. And the truth of God brings about His presence. Third thing, a bowl of manna. A bowl of manna that bread that gets changed regularly and the bread it's interesting the bread the Jews called they called it the bread of presence the bread of presence isn't that interesting for us as Catholics because even today we call the Eucharist the real presence the real presence so the bread Reminds the people that God will provide for them, like the manna out in the desert. That God is present in the bread. Now, again, albeit imperfectly, that comes later. And we'll get to that. But those are the three things in the ark. Okay. So, there's this parallel then between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Everything that's in the Old Testament is actually in the New Testament being fulfilled. Everything in the Old Testament is prophetic and prefigurement, prefigurements and foreshadowings of what's going to come about in the New Testament in a perfect way. But the people won't notice it in the New Testament and know what it is unless they already know it from the Old Testament. God getting them ready, getting us ready. Well, that's the case here with Luke 1. It parallels to 2 Samuel 6. and 2 Samuel 6, remember, the ark travels with the people. So the ark, 2 Samuel 6 tells us, goes through the hill country of Judah on the way to a house that King David is residing in temporarily. In Luke 1, it says that Mary travels through the hill country of Judah in order to get to the house of Elizabeth. This is not coincidence. This is fulfillment. And 2 Samuel 6 when the ark of the covenant comes into the house where David is, David leaps for joy and starts to begin to dance. In the presence of the Lord. In Luke 1, when Mary comes in to the house of Elizabeth, the child John, the baby John, in the womb of Elizabeth leaps for joy, Luke records, at the presence of the Lord in His midst. And finally, in 2 Samuel 6, David says these words. How is it that the ark of the Lord has come to me? In Luke 1, Elizabeth literally repeats these words. How, but here's the change. How is it that the mother of my Lord has come to me? You see, the mother of the Lord... Mary is the ark of the new covenant that contains in her body literally, fully, perfectly the presence of the Lord. So, therefore, these three symbols that were there buried in the Old Testament have now no longer symbolic but real because Jesus is the priest. St. Paul, later on in his writings, in his letter to the Hebrews, calls him the high priest. Jesus is the priest who is going to make intercession between us and the Father. And how he does it is from the cross. He intercedes for us. Remember the mercy seat. He sits upon the seat. And he makes intercession for us so that we can be in the Father's presence forever. That's what's in the new ark of the new covenant, in the womb of Mary. Second, Jesus is the word of God. John, at his beginning, the very first chapter of, uh, of John's gospel, John says, and the word was made flesh and... Dwelt among us at Christmas. The word of God, John says, was with God and is God. Everything that God was teaching in the Old Covenant and the Old Testament is being fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the truth, the way, and the life. Incarnate. And he is the bread of life. He himself in his ministry literally calls himself the bread of life. And then he says, and unless you eat this bread, my flesh for the life of the world, and my blood, you will not have life within you. But if you do eat this bread of life, you will have life within you. And then... He multiplies the bread to feed the people as a foreshadowing of what's going to happen on every altar of every Catholic church from the time that He establishes His church at the end of His ministry until the end of time. He is the bread of life. Here it is that dwells inside of us. We think, and rightly so, that Mary was so blessed as a human being to be able to have the Son of God dwell inside of her body. But what do you think happens every time you come up for communion? The real presence of God dwells inside of you, and you become the new ark of the covenant of God. Every time you step into a Catholic church, you hear the Word of God, the truth of God, proclaimed that the Word of God, Jesus Christ, commanded his disciples and through the Holy Spirit inspired them to write it so the Word of God can be proclaimed until the end of time. And he ordained the continuation of of a new priesthood through His high priesthood so that throughout time, until the end of time, there would be men that He would set aside for priestly service who would then be that intercessor between Him and us so that he can get, we can gather all of our prayers, all of our sins, all of our hopes, all of our aspirations, all of our desires for salvation, and we can take them through Christ's priesthood who offers Himself as a sacrifice to the Father at every Eucharistic sacrifice, so that when we step up into communion line, we might have that life within us. And so here's my question again. Therefore, knowing this, are you excited about Christmas? And if you have stopped being excited about Christmas, The problem with that is, how can you also then be excited about your Christmas faith? Your Christian faith. Here's the deal. At the end of Luke's gospel, Elizabeth says this to Mary. Listen to this. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the word of the Lord would be fulfilled. And blessed indeed was she. But, then for, therefore, do you believe that what is being spoken to you by the Lord will be fulfilled in you? Because if you do, then that means that you are blessed. You are blessed because you have access to God through his priest. That he ordained. This is what he set up. Not me. Not the Catholic Church. This is what he set up. Blessed are you because you believe what comes out of the word of God. And blessed are you because you have access as a Roman Catholic Christian. The first church that Christ established. To have the bread of life come dwell in you. And then you become the Ark of the Covenant. And then that means, if you believe that and you are blessed, you should be excited about this. Excited about the beginning of this at Christmas, but excited about this every day of your life. Because here's here's where it all goes. Mary, as the Ark of the Covenant did not contain Christ within her for the rest of her life. Meaning, she did not hoard Christ within her. She did not keep Christ within her. She brought what was dwelling inside of her, who was dwelling inside of her, out into the world, and then blessed is the world, because she was the Ark of the Covenant. And the same goes with you and I. We were never meant to receive the Eucharist and the Word of God through His priesthood and only privately keep it to ourselves. That's why the world is in the shape that it's in today. It isn't God's fault. Is that we forgot that we were arcs of the covenant, meant to be carried around to the people of God throughout the world, our friends, our families, the ones who have gotten away from the Catholic faith. Our, our, our spouses, our children, our parents, strangers, the world, and desperate need for us to open up the ark of our life and bring Christ back out into the world. Are you excited about Christmas? Are you excited about being a Christian? All right, then live it.